Hey, Javi. Hi, Mace. It's so good to see you. It's incredible to see you. Uh, I love seeing your face in the Queer Town Clubhouse. Absolutely. I love bringing my face to this Queer Town Clubhouse. Good. I, I think for people at home, they like hearing your voice and hopefully mine too. Yeah. 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 We're still, I'm, we're still figuring it out. We are. We have a little bit of like ASMR. A little bit. We're, we're still real into the ASMR vibe. We're, we're feeling the sexy mm-hmm. aspect of talking into a microphone. <laughs> it's so sexual. This is how I have sex. Is this not how y'all, how the rest of, no, no, oh, this is totally how I have sex. I don't, I don't have sex unless I'm podcasting. <laughs> That's my rule. It's on my grinder profile. I don't even feel remotely interested in exploring physical intimacy. If I don't have a microphone no. in front of my lips. No, no. I've had lovers over and I'm like, what are you plugging? And they're like, just your butt. And I'm like, get out. <laughs> I need that, social medias. That is not what I am looking for right now. I am looking for connection via audio. Motherfucker. That's right. All of this is to say, you're going to listen to an amazing conversation today. If you thought that what you just heard was amazing, buckle up, bitch, because there's something really extra special heading your way. That's right. You're going to listen to me talk about my dog who just died. (laughs) Okay, cool. Let's do... uh... We did talk about his we just died. That's how that conversation starts. <laughs> um, should we do a, another take just in case? Mm, we'll fix it in post. This podcast is called Queer Town. Javi. Hi. Hi, Mace. How are you? I'm good. I'm excited to, to be doing this. I am thrilled to have you here. Yeah. It's, it's been a little uh, less sparkly without Javi in the Queer Town Clubhouse. <laughs> yes, yes. I, uh, I don't know what order these are coming out in, but I know there's a few coming out that don't have me, but that's fine. That's the structure we have, we've landed upon. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely been a we are building the plane as we are flying it Absolutely. exercise. Uh-huh. But I don't think we've ever not done that for Queer Town. <laughs> very true. Very, very, very true. I remember when we first started as a live show, we had some promotional graphic that I had very uh, quickly created. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had put it out there. I didn't think much of it. It was just like a photo of us, and it just said Queer Town. And it, it was not like a photo that we had necessarily posed for. I think it was a photo of us on stage. Anyways, long story short, uh, someone saw that photo, and it's a very good friend of mine, and I'm not going to mention them. Uh, but I did remember what they said. And I was like, oh, yeah, like Queer Town just doesn't really know how to market. <laughs> Stop it. I don't think you've ever told me that. <laughs> it was like, oh, I guess we don't. I guess we are figuring that out. Uh, so all that is to say that we are figuring out how yeah. to make a podcast Absolutely. while we're doing it. And, um, and that is just the way that it has been so far. And you know what? I think we're doing an okay job. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm happy with this. <laughs> uh, I am just going to uh, put her. We're going again. Okay, great. Cool, yeah. So we'll just edit all of that out. That's, That's the right. other thing. If yeah. there's ever a point where you like fumble a phrase or I don't know, you said something that sure. you didn't want to say. Yeah. Just like call it out and yeah. we'll edit. Okay. Out. No. Yeah. That's good. I didn't want to feel like I was hiding my racism. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Ooh, what? <laughs> so I um I'm really sorry to hear about Studley. I don't know if you want to talk about him on the show, but I did want to address that. Oh, sure. Yeah. So let's see. I, yeah, Studley was uh, my dog. I refer to him as my stepdog. He came with my boyfriend. So Studley had been in my life um, for a while. And then he moved, uh, Keith, my boyfriend moved in in February of 2020, uh, uh, right before the pandemic hit. And so then the pandemic hit 
And so we were home all the time. And so I very quickly became very obsessed with this dog because it was like the only thing that was in those first few months of quarantine. This was just like, oh, we're not going out anymore. Uh, so like he was our social life, I guess, in a way. Um, and yeah, I, uh, it's just very funny as an adult, I had never had a pet. Um, and I think there was a part of me that avoided it. A, I, no, the, I honestly was like avoiding the responsibility of it. And, uh, and there was like a part of me that was like, what's the point? You only have them for like 10 years and then you have to be sad. Um, uh, but, uh, it was a kind of a package deal with the boyfriend. Um, and yeah, so yeah, he, uh, he was 17 and a half. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That, that is really remarkable with the dog. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, now I feel, you know, we're starting to get questions of people being like, well, are you going to get another dog? Uh, which obviously we're, let's way too soon for that. And we're not ready for that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I was yesterday we went, uh, running, uh, uh around Ladybird. And I was just like noticing everybody with their dogs. And I was like, these dogs all seem to have so much energy that you have to like <laughs> manage. And Studley was 17 and he napped all day and was, was very cat-like in his demeanor. So yeah, I feel like I've been very spoiled um, with, uh, with having such a low maintenance and chill dog. So he was, uh, yeah, he was the best, but... I think that is one of the hardest parts with having pets. Yeah. Uh, my cats are three. Yeah. And I mean, you can hear them running around mm -hmm. us right now. They have so much energy. Oscar is, of course, just hitting his automatic feeder because <laughs> he wants the performance um, to be heard. Yes. He, he wants people to know that he's out there. <laughs> but right. Like I, I know fundamentally that they will age, that they yep. will slow down and God, I don't want that. I, I want them to live forever. And 17 and a half sort of is forever. Yeah. No, I think, I mean, I think we, cause we, uh, I think, yeah, we, we, we said this like right out. I mean, what it was last Saturday that we took him in, we kind of finally made the decision cause he was just like not eating, not drinking all that stuff. And like afterwards we were just like margaritas. Uh, so we went to get yeah. some Tex-Mex food and we were, we were drinking and like, I mean, pretty quickly, just like in our own process, we were like, we have to remember how lucky we were to have him for that long. Cause that is every time I walked him and people saw him and people would come up and they'd be like, Oh my God, he's so cute. But they would notice how slow we walked and they were like, is this a senior dog? And I would tell them and they'd be like, Oh my God. I've had several people say, I've never heard of a dog that old. Um, so like, I know in that sense, we were very lucky. And I think we were also in a weird way, grateful to the pandemic and just like how we got to spend so much time with him in these last few years. Uh, I mean, the boy was spoiled. I was cooking for him at the end. I was, what were you him. cooking? Uh, he loved when I made fajita chicken, uh, <laughs> but yeah, we would make chicken, but we would just like set aside a, a portion for Studley. We knew what veggies he liked. So yeah, I was cooking for him and he had beds all over the house and he just spent his days just hanging out with us and just figuring out which bed to nap in. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah. And, and then I'm, I'm glad too, cause it started to, um, the weather's been nicer here for the most part, uh, with a couple of, of spells, but like, anyways, um, just like taking him to the park. Like I have a park mm -hmm. that's mm -hmm. like a few minutes walk from my house and just take him to the park, letting him be off leash, which is what he loved. He wasn't going to go anywhere. He wasn't running anywhere. He's just wanted to just walk around and sniff and look at the kids play and, yeah, we got to do that twice the his last week here. Oh, what a gift. Because also, like, here's, honestly, this has been, like, what has, like, kind of terrified me about the whole thing was, like, I think I knew he was, we were winding down that, that he was getting sick. Um, and then we had this trip planned to California. We had a trip planned to L.A. and our Airbnb fell through last minute. So we very quickly scrambled and went to Palm Springs instead. Um, and so I had somebody at the house watching Studley and like a week later is when it happens. And so I can't get it out of like my head. It's like a weird OCD thought that I've had of like, oh my God, what would have happened had that happened while we were gone? Um, and so just like very grateful that like that didn't happen. I don't remember what the point of that was, but, um, no, I, I, th I think there's a real point to that because you can't fully be the author 
of right. Studley's exit from your life, but For you sure. could at least be there with him. Yes. And that's important. Yeah. 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 No. So we were, we were glad about that. Um, the, the actual process of it happening, like at least the way that I perceived it was very peaceful and he was, he's very peaceful. Um, he was right. very peaceful about that. So that felt, that felt good. Um, so yeah. But I don't know if this is any, um, help to hear, but it, seems like Dan Levy also said goodbye to his longtime dog okay. that same week. Yes. Multiple people have sent me that Instagram <laughs> post because a, I kind of look like Dan Levy. You do. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people say that it's the eyebrows. I get it. it it's also the personality. Oh, well, thank you. Um, thank you. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, it's a uh, yeah. no, no, no. Cause like, um, I, I've seen Schitt's Creek and when I started watching Schitt's Creek, it was crazy how much that started bleeding into improv. Mm. Uh, just like his mannerisms and stuff. And I was like, Ooh, I got to watch that. I got to be careful with that. But no, people sent me that Instagram post. Cause I was like, Oh yeah, I guess I, I look like Dan Levy and like his dog looked like Studley. No way. Yeah. Yeah. If you pull up the picture of, of his, his little like eulogy, um, picture, he looked just like Studley. He was like Whoa. this little orange Fox looking dog. And I was like, that is weird. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, the joke that I constantly make is that I am the budget-friendly version of Jonathan Groff. Okay. So I guess you are the budget-friendly version of Dan Levy, and Studley was the budget-friendly version of Dan Levy's dog. Here's, I feel like Dan Levy is, yeah, like once Shit's Creek like took off, I was like, oh, so we've already got a like a bushy-eyebrowed gay uh, on TV? Cool, 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 cool. And then I had the same reaction with uh, Julio Torres. Because mm-hmm. I was like, Julio, wait, he's from El Salvador? That's where my family's from? And then, of course, like I watched him do comedy and I was like, that's, yes, he, he's doing what he needs to be doing. Yeah. He also has abs, which is upsetting to me. Uh, it, it is frustrating yeah. when someone who is fundamentally like an experimental comedian yeah. is also objectively hot. Oh, it's even oh simpler for me. Just like funny people, just like funny. performers, mm-hmm. performers. And, and I was like, you can't. Like, uh, uh, like your Joel Kim boosters. I was like, yeah. you can't post thirst traps and be an incredible stand-up. That's not okay. And Joel Kim booster is very hot. Yes, like he is absolutely. someone who, if I happen to be working out in the gym at the same time as him, yeah. I would absolutely be either a drooling over him or I would just abandon whatever I was doing and I would leave the building. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's very hot. I also have jealousy with him because he is also, I'm a leap year baby. And as is he, he was also born on February 29th. Oh yeah. So I don't know. My chances of making it in Hollywood are looking pretty slim. Hey, (laughs) so one of our production assistants has um, graciously invited herself up onto the counter. Mm -hmm. Um, Just expect this throughout every recording session. Yes. Uh, They are very involved. Well, I love to say that we record this in the Queer Town Clubhouse. I think yes. it has a great ring to it. I love but it. We are in my house. Yes. Yes. And my cats yeah. are uh, very, very present. I mean, at some point, they're going to be doing levels for us. <laughs> you know, I, I've been trying to train them on many things, <laughs> and none of it has stuck, but maybe that's what I need to do. Maybe this will be here. Good. Here, Emmy, just come, come. Let's <laughs> just follow me. I have your paw. I'm just going to put it on the soundboard. <laughs> Oh, we've had first contact. I think it was a success. (laughs) (laughs) So one of the things that we have loved to do with the pod is a sampling. Mm -hmm. And I have a really interesting kind of experimental natural wine in front of me. And I don't think that I can say this word with justice. Ratzian. Okay. Ratzain. Ratzain. Yeah. That's what I would guess. Yeah. Uh, it is a Cedra natural. Um, it, it is very funky. Okay. Uh, and I'm going to pour it and we're going to try it at the same time. Are you a big natural wine bitch? I've become one. Yeah. Yeah. That was sort of my big personal transformation in 2021. Yes. 2020 was all about cocktails. And then 2021 oh, that, was yeah. all about natural wine. So I am not doing as many cocktails these days, yeah. but I am doing quite a bit of natural wine and I'm loving it. Uh, so much easier, right? Well, cheers. Cheers. 
Yeah, that's really good. It's it's very good. Very funky. It. Uh, I, I would be curious what this would pair well with. Oh, nothing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it like <laughs> maybe like a really funky cheese. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, for sure. It's almost like a cocktail. Just in like it's 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 it feels more cocktail than it feels like wine. I think that's honestly one of the things that I've loved about natural wine mm-hmm. and why it's been such an easy transition from cocktails. Yeah, is because I it's like a cocktail that's already in the bottle for me, and yes. all I have to do is open it. Yes, and um, and and I love like the biodynamic aspect. I love that it's small batch that's really you know well curated. Yeah. Um, and it's like nothing that I've ever had before. I yeah. feel like I came of age drinking really shitty wine from a bag. <laughs> <laughs> I um, uh, well, I did not. I started drinking wine in high school because uh, I went to high school in Chile uh, in South oh, America. That's right. And Chile's number two export, I believe, is wine. Uh, oh wow! Yeah. Uh, so. People who are listening to this, you can't see this, but Javi just did like a really impressive hair flip. I did. And there was a spotlight Mm -hmm. and I don't know where the spotlight came from, but it looked great. (laughs) (laughs) The clubhouse comes with a spotlight. It does. Yes. (laughs) Um, But no, we would, uh, it was a very strange culture for me. I was obviously an expat. I was American uh, there and the culture around drinking was so different because there was no drinking age. Uh, I mean, there technically is a drinking age, but like it's not really, at least back then, respected. So Mm -hmm. I, as a freshman in high school could go to a restaurant and order, um, a glass of wine. Um, just like no questions asked. Wow. Uh, and so I remember my friends and I, we would go to like happy hour, uh, on Fridays after class. Um, as a freshman in high school, as a, like a freshman sophomore in high school. Yeah. We would go, we would go to happy hour and, uh, oftentimes have wine and sushi and, and it was, it was, yeah, it was a very, looking back on it, I was like, oh yeah, I guess, yeah, that was weird. huh? <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. Meanwhile, I'm walking across the street to the corner store with my friends and maybe if we're feeling especially adventurous, yeah. we're walking to Domino's. <laughs> <laughs> But, but no, I got on the uh, natural wine train a couple of years ago, back when there was, it was real hard to find here in Austin. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've, it's like a thing amongst my friends, uh, mostly one friend. Um, but anytime I mention wine, he's like, oh, are you drinking a natural wine? And uh, he really leans into that to, to poke fun of me. I um, think it is something that definitely opens itself up to ridicule. But, sure. but that is the thing about American culture. Anything that you develop any kind of education in. Yeah. I feel like anyone's just going to make fun of you for that. Or any sort of like genuine love for, right? Like yeah. someone's going to like, you know, contextualize it as ironic or or, or, or or poke fun of like the earnestness of it. Um, I think it does open you up too, because I think for like four or five years, I've been just like talk, I've been, I've introduced a lot of my friends to natural wine. Um, but truly whatever, two minutes ago, when you started describing what you liked about natural wine, I was like, he already has a better vocabulary around this than I've had for like five years. Cause for five years it'd be like, well, what's the difference between wine and natural wine? I was like, well, I mean, you know, it's, it's natural. It's, you, you should know this. Right. There's yeah. um, uh, nothing <laughs> extra in it. Javi, what extra things do they put in wine? I don't know. <laughs> Additives. I don't know. I don't know. I guys. do think that you were leading with, um, like a flavor enjoyment of it, which mm-hmm. to me is the most important thing. Like sure. obviously like the eco-friendly aspects are important, Yeah, but a lot of that I I'm just regurgitating like upper level talking points. Yeah. Uh, I don't actually fully understand that process myself. I'm just repeating the the small amount that I do. Yeah. But what I do understand from a more personal level is the way this tastes yes. and that I like it. Yes. Yeah. Um, have you had orange wine yet? Oh yeah. Oh, I love shit. orange that wine. That is my shit. Orange wine is so good. Yeah. There, there's just something fundamentally um, dynamic about it that feels uh, like there's, uh, layers that I'm experiencing at the same time. Yes. No, I love orange wine. That's also a thing that I can describe to people very easily. Okay. We, we moved, (laughs) we moved a production assistant 
She's in my lap now. Oh, she's no longer in my lap. <laughs> this, this may become a podcast of us just tracking a cat's movements. <laughs> I, I think there are worse podcasts out there. <laughs> so one of the things that we have really kind of been uh, digging into, yeah. and I'm really curious to hear your perspective on this, is Austin, Texas. Okay. Uh, so we've spent our first few episodes kind of talking about the relationship that queer people have with Austin, Texas, both right now and also historically. Yeah. You've been here for years and years. You own where you live. Yep. Um, what is your thought on Austin today? Um, it, feel, it feels very strange right now. Um, it feels very strange and just, yeah, in 2022, right? Because, you know, I got, I moved here in 03 or 04, I think. Wow. Um, and have been here ever since. Came here for college, stayed for grad school, got a job here, now work um, uh, where I got, where I went to school. Um, and, you know, my initial perception, originally from Houston, right, and, uh, and spent my high school years in South America, but like my, uh, and I did a year in San Antonio. My, fr my freshman year of college was in San Antonio. But I would come to Austin and I would visit Austin and like, there's just like not a lot, there's not a lot of depth to this, but just truly as like a 19 year old, barely out of the closet gay kid, like my whole thing was like, oh, Austin's cool. Like it's just a cool city, right? And it's, it's everything that Houston's, it's in many ways, everything that Houston's not, which I have more of appreciation for Houston now. Uh, but that's really what it all came down to, right? It was just like, this is a cool city and there's like a real downtown and live music. And I was very into live music at the time. And, um, and yeah. And so like, I, it feels like a lot of my relationship with Austin is very much couched in like the, that early two thousands period. And, Let's see. How would I describe it? Uh, well, it's hard not to. Right. Right. Because I grew up here. I came of age in the early 2000s here in Austin. And there was this, a really special energy yeah. to Austin at that point. And I think that you can still find that energy. It's just diluted a bit. Yes. It's hidden behind these these really flashy, sparkly buildings. Mm -hmm. um, there's obviously a lot of people here. And we've talked about this on the pod already uh, that I perceive to be a little bit more superficial. Yeah. You you perceive what is superficial? A lot of the people who've moved here. Oh, the people. Gotcha. I, I think that there are quite a few people who've moved here who are sort of embodying that domain style energy. Yes. yes. That where it's like they're fine hanging out at like the same few spots that they already know and love from other cities. Yeah. And now they're here and right. they get to do that. Yeah. 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 No, that's the, I mean, I get, yeah, that's the perception that I have. Yeah. It's one of these things where I've just, I've totally become one of these people where I hear about, uh, what was the last one I heard about? I don't know. I think it was, I think it's Facebook, but Facebook's opening like this huge campus here. Is that right? Uh, yeah, there, it's going to be a giant building downtown. Oh, it's a giant building. That's what it was. That's right. That's right. I saw a TikTok about this, but it's just like every time I hear about that, like, oh, so-and-so is moving here and they're going to open this big campus and so-and-so is moving here and they're going to do this thing. And like, now we're the tech central of, of the, of the U S and I was like, that sounds horrible. I really, cause there was like a period of time where just like socially, where was this? I must've been in like graduate school. This is before I found comedy. Um, so a lot of my socializing was through my best friend at the time. And at the time she was very involved with startups. Mm -hmm. And so I went to a lot of startup culture. And so like, I, it feels to me now that everything that I'm seeing that's happening is that, but it's just been like, it's just, it's proliferated it's so much more like, but it was that culture of that, like, truly kind of gross startup culture. And I, it sounds super judgmental, but it was just like, I remember going to those parties and they were fun because they were like funded by, uh, um, by all these companies. So there was just like free booze everywhere, but just like everything was networking. Everything was like, who do you work for? And I've been like, I'm a social worker. And they were like, nah, well, <laughs> next. Uh, oh, I can, cannot compute. You're not yeah. doing that for money. What? Right. And we're like, no, I don't, I don't know what that means. Um, but, um, so yeah, it seems like that's taken over quite a bit. I feel like, I, I also feel like Austin, let's see, how do I verbalize this? 
in the beginning, Austin was like just in and of itself, like a very Instagrammable kind of a place, right? Mm -hmm. We had just like lots of very um, uh, Austin specific things that you would see. And now it's like just the culture of Instagram has like influenced what is developing around Austin now. You know what I mean? Um, And so it is like, yeah, it's a bunch of like these, a couple of places that are very popular amongst this like sect of like young folks moving into town. And it's just like these like super like heavily Instagrammable places. And like, it's just like this interesting like shift now where like I, you know, as a young person was like very attracted to that. And now it's just like, it's just, it just has a gross, taste to me does that make sense it it does yeah yeah yeah. there's a nuance to it in my opinion and it's like when i was 22 i was interested in a very different kind of cultural energy than what i'm interested in today yeah so i definitely want people to be able to have the experience that they want to have here in austin yeah uh, and I am a huge advocate for urbanizing the city. I, mm-hmm. I do not think that it was intelligently designed or developed. I think that there are huge strides that we can take, you know, as far as public transportation and, you know, affordability for when sure. it comes to housing. And I think that densifying the city does address a lot of that. But why does everything have to look the same? Yeah. <laughs> why does everything have to perpetuate the same, like, luxury right. aesthetic? Yeah. Um, and, and I do wish that there were, you know, more DIY queer spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, and sorry, I'm definitely taking a question that I had asked you and interjecting my own thoughts no. into no. it. <laughs> no, it's fine. Uh, but, but I think that's one of the, the trickier aspects of being here and having a longstanding perspective of Austin, Texas. Yeah. I think I also have some, I, I, right now I feel like I have some interesting context because I mentioned earlier that I just got back from Palm Springs and have you ever been? I've never been to Palm Springs. Mama, I got to go. This is, and I wasn't expecting it, but it's the gayest place I've ever been to. That's what I've heard. And I do very specifically mean gay. <laughs> <laughs> you don't uh, mean queer. <laughs> no, I do not. Um, <laughs> we were, uh, we were antiquing. Uh, that's just oh, who oh we are now. Um, uh, we didn't have great weather while we were there, so we couldn't have like a pool day. So we just needed something to do. So we went antiquing. I don't know mm. why I needed to make an excuse for that. My boyfriend loves it. Well, no, actually, here's the thing. I asked him, I was like, we'd spent maybe like four hours going to different antique stores. And I was like, baby, what's going on? You've never gone to an antique store once. And it, it totally, he was like, yeah, but I've never been to a place that had so many like gay antiques. Uh-oh. Like lots of, uh, I mean, it's truly a glimpse into my future of just like a lot of tasteful male erotic art everywhere we went, just like that was everywhere. And he was like, yeah, I've never seen so much. And he was like, that, that's why I think this is so cool. And so like, that's what led us to like start antiquing. Anyways, we were in one antique store and there was a radio ad that played and the radio ad said something like, um, as most people know, 40 to 60% of the permanent residents of Palm Springs are LGBTQ identified. Oh. And I said, I was by myself at the time. I was like, that can't be right. And like an hour later, Keith was like, did you hear that ad in the store? Did they say 40 to 60%? And I was like, yeah, they did. It's crazy how many gay people there are there. That, is, that, that feels like an oasis in a way. Truly, yeah. I mean, and literally, because you're like in the middle of the desert. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just to, and, but to also name too, like <laughs> that ad said like 40 to 60% of the population is LGBTQ identified. And I was like, I don't know about the B, the T, <laughs> or the Q. <laughs> I don't the see a lot of L's either. I see a lot of G's. Lots of G's. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, it was just interesting to visit this different community um, that, I don't know how purposeful it was, but it's like, it very much just lays its, its, its queerness identity out as like very central to the city, right? Mm-hmm. Like it just, it is the city. Like I truly, the whole time I was there, I was like, why do straight people come here? <laughs> Like, I don't Yeah, like, it. what are they seeing yeah. in this? And that's something we talked about with Michael Barnes. You know, he's a local historian. He has years and years of not only lived experience, but also just uh, knowledge of how Austin has existed. And something that he brought up is that 
Austin has been accepting enough of gay bars that we didn't need a separate gayberhood. Right. Which is uh, great, ostensibly. Yeah. But I think it's also sort of diluted. Yeah. In a way, this like really flashy forward queer energy that I personally would love to see more of. Yeah. No. I, I Actually, you saying that it makes me realize that I have an opposite opinion of what I used to have when I was younger. Because when I first moved here... I was very excited about how, like, uh, queer-friendly I perceived the city to be. And there was this whole thing about, like, why doesn't Austin have a gayborhood, right? And I used to, like, brag about it. And I was like, oh, it's because the whole city like it's 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 you can go kind of anywhere and now older i was like i don't know i kind of wish we had a gayborhood i wish there. now that i've been to like some places where there are very clear gayborhoods i was like no i get it it's nice to have like a place it's fun yeah. and it's not just from like a drinking perspective for sure i think oh, that yeah, there's totally. like a real like community aspect yeah. you know to boys town in chicago or obviously the castro yeah. in san francisco they're real communities right. that developed perhaps out of discriminatory policy yeah but the way that they are today it just feels like you can kind of release this weight from your shoulders mm -hmm. and i sort of want that um escapism within my own city yeah yeah no yeah we were at one store and my boyfriend was buying some stuff and he was like do you think we'll get a discount because we're gay and i was like no we are not special here <laughs> <laughs> they couldn't afford to do that. <laughs> like, I don't mind a flight attendant giving me a free drink because they like clock that we're gay. But it's, I was like, I don't think that's happening here. <laughs> we are you not unique. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I need to do more traveling. I think that that's been a uh, COVID anxiety point of mine. Yeah. I've only been on a plane once uh, since March 2020. Yeah. And I went to Missouri for a wedding. Oh, I remember, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it was a great trip. I reconnected with a lot of super close friends of mine that yeah. I hadn't seen in years. But I also went back somewhere that I've been before. Yeah. Which is mid-Missouri. And as much as I love Missouri, it is, you know, not the most um, progressive of yeah. states. And, yeah, I do need to go somewhere like Palm Springs where I can, you know, just wear a nice silk robe and yeah be at peace this is yeah no i texted a few friends and everybody was like let's let's get a plot here this is where we're gonna come to die. <laughs> yeah <laughs> do you feel i don't know if it's okay for me to ask this on the pod but do you feel now that you've actually had covid that that ch changes your perception of that anxiety that is a great question so um, just to give everyone a little bit of context into this, I recently recovered from COVID and it was Omicron and it was not terrible, but I did have a fever for four days, mm. which was not great. Now I am up to date on my vaccinations and I really sincerely believe that that um, helped. Yeah. I think it made my symptoms milder. It made them go away faster. Now, all of that said, I do feel a little bolder mm -hmm. with what I might be doing over these coming weeks and months, especially yeah. during this like 60 day period post symptoms that I'm in right now where my antibodies are allegedly, you know, the, the most yeah. there that they will ever be. Uh, yeah, I, I think I might travel in the coming weeks awesome. and I'm looking forward to that. That's great. That's great. Yeah, it, it was while running away from this uh, disease, right? Yeah. Has had really long-term significant impacts on life as we know it. Yeah. And then to get it in, um, I went to a wellness retreat for a friend's birthday. And I think that's where I got it. And everyone had to take a PCR test ahead of time. But nevertheless, I got it at a wellness retreat. Oh, <laughs> Did others there get it? One other person. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, oh man, I left with the worst party favor, you know? <laughs> you know, someone left with probably a, a really great party favor. And meanwhile, I I was sequestered to my bed afterwards. Um <laughs> <laughs> what kind of wellness retreat? It, it was great. It was uh, like yoga and meditation. Oh, okay. And we did like functional movement. And there was some 
sexual wellness exercises, uh, healthy communication. I mean, just a really remarkable gift to kind of give some yeah. of the closest people um, in this person's life, yeah. you know, as they're turning 30. Uh, and it was interesting perspective because I turned 30 in a few months yeah. and I don't think I'm going to do anything like that for my own. <laughs> birthday i don't well i shouldn't say that but I, it's it's a it's a cool idea it's not a thing that would have ever occurred to me <laughs> oh it, it was it was really special i'm yeah. i all things considered i'm really glad i went yeah and i'm not choosing to hold any anger oh, over yeah. getting COVID out of it i mean it could have happened anywhere Absolutely. it just so happened to happen there yeah. um but yeah, I, I think for my own 30th, I am going to want something a little louder, mm -hmm. a little uh, more indulgent, yes. maybe. A little sparklier. Yeah, a little sparklier. Yeah. And, and I feel okay with that. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that is the beauty of um, personal decision. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I... We haven't spent as much time on the podcast talking about pop culture as we have on the streaming show sure. or our live show. But I do think that we have to talk about And Just Like That. Yeah, absolutely. Have I, you been watching it? I have. I'm probably at this point like three episodes behind. I am too. Okay. It, it, there's a reason for that. <laughs> it is. Yeah, no. I mean, look, the show's batshit. It's truly batshit. It, it taps into a level of deep psychosis that I was not <laughs> expecting from a sequel series to Sex in the City. Yeah. And yet this has been one of the most insane adventures that I have ever watched. Truly. Um, it has been helpful for me to divorce, divorce it from the original show. Yes. In my brain where I'm just like, Thank you, MCU. Now I think in multiverses. And this is a different multiverse. It, well, I think that there are uh, multiverses within this multiverse. <laughs> because the more the episodes unfold, it really seems like Carrie, Miranda, and Charlotte are experiencing life within different timelines. Yes. In individual episodes. Yeah. It's like Carrie had like hip surgery. Meanwhile, Miranda is still like pursuing Che as though she met them like four days ago. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, no, it's crazy. I was thinking, so I was thinking about this recently because it feels like to me that the first like reboot reboot that kind of like led to this was Will and Grace. Oh, which was 2017. Yeah. Cause I remember when that happened and I remember like my dumb reptile brain just being like, this doesn't compute. Like they're all back. It's been so long. Like how can they do this? Um, and so, the, and this is on my mind cause I watched like three episodes on my flight back from Palm Springs cause I never really stuck with it. And I was a huge Will and Grace fan. Oh, Sam. Yeah. It, yeah. I found that the reboot came, um, contained a lot of the same energy, yeah. which was a little interesting yeah. because so much had changed as far as like the cultural acceptance yeah. of gay men in this country. Totally. Yeah. No, I was, I was, every time I've watched an episode, I'm always like, pretty pleasantly surprised. Um, I still think to this day, like Sean Hayes, like I just, I don't think in my mind did not give him enough credit uh, when I was younger oh and watching the show. I mean, I think I loved so him, good. but I was also, I think there was a part of me that was like, I was still figuring myself out. So there was like a part of it that felt scary to me just because of internalized homophobia shit. But now like I watch old episodes and I was watching some of these new episodes and I was like, that's one of the finest comedic actors of our time. He's exceptional in Just like line reads, timing, incredible. Which, bringing it back to, and just like that, I mean, I will say that there have been moments in the show where I really feel like, like in that second episode, oh, sorry, spoilers, but I'm pretty sure the whole world knows a big died. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, we are not the first <laughs> to discuss this show on a podcast. <laughs> but um, but uh, Charlotte uh, being more emotional at the funeral uh, home uh, next to Carrie and everybody thinking that she was the widow. I was like, that's classic sex in the city. That's yeah. that was very funny to me. I, I think that's the thing that I miss most about the new episodes is that the original show leaned into gimmicks. Yeah. And, and I think they did it in a very successful way Yeah, because there is a lot of dating. You know, I 
the older I get, the more I resonate with some of the issues that they are experiencing with their romantic partners, mm-hmm. at least in the first few seasons. But, yeah. you know, we're more rooted in reality. I think they obviously did a pivot in the fantasy world. Yeah. Things got a little different. Uh, but, yeah, I think the gimmicks work really well. I think the gimmick of Carrie's hip surgery yes. and, you know, Miranda taking care of her I thought that was great. Yes. That, that was I my favorite so episode so far. Yeah. Um, and, and I want more of that mm-hmm. instead of this like really sad, um, downtrodden yeah. energy that it, they almost feel like they have to bring to things, yeah. but it's misapplied. Yes. I want to see it applied to the friendship with Samantha. I mean, what the fuck? Willie Garson died. Yeah. And they never addressed that. I mean, they... He went to Japan to follow a TikTok. <laughs> it was almost a disservice to the character. Yeah, no, for sure. It, it was like, oh, he actually sucks. Yeah. And he abandoned us just like Samantha. Yeah. And there was this part of me that was like, I'm sorry he wasn't available to film more material. Right. He is dead, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, what is wrong with you? And I read an interview where Michael Patrick King, who was not the creator of the original show, but I think became like one of the chief creative architects yes. of it and is the creator of In Just Like That. Yeah. Uh, he went on record saying that he didn't want to address Willie Garson's death because it wasn't, quote, charming. It really? Just, that really bothered me. Wow. I, I mean, the friendship of the, the lead three women at this point uh-huh. had already gone through quite a bit, those first three, three episodes. Yeah. And I think it would have really interestingly uh, catapulted everyone's journeys into a darker direction, which they were kind of going in already. Yeah. You know, like Miranda having an increased drinking problem, Carrie yeah. being more selfish, uh, Charlotte obsessing over her child's gender identity. I think yeah. all of those things would have made more sense if there was this added layer of grief. Yeah. To things. Yeah. No, I could see that for sure. Yeah. It's just, there's so many weird things in the show. And part, I mean, at this point I'm watching it cause it's just a spectacle of, Insanity. I don't just yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Every episode, my jaw is on the floor because of something that they did. And I don't think it's on the floor with something they intended to be shocking. Yeah. It's, it's the way that they react to things. I, I mean, it has been terrible with depicting um, updates almost to modern yep. culture. There's like the way they're talking about race, the way that they're talking about, yeah. uh, you know, the spectrum of expressing gender. It's terrible. No. Yeah. And it's, um, uh, and it's honestly, I think that's the thing. It's like, it's made the show fraught because I can tell every character, every writer was like, we, we have to address like wokeness or fucking whatever, whatever, yes. however they want to address it. And it's like, they're addressing it. It's shoehorned in. It's dismissed in certain moments. And I'm just like, what is happening? Like, it's like, you don't, you didn't need to do this. Right. Like I get, I think we all understand that there is some real insane shit. If you go back and watch, rewatch the, the original, right. Oh, absolutely. And the same can be said for most shows that came out of that era. Um, so now it's like, I don't know if they're just like trying to overcorrect, but it's like, we have to have these elements in the show. I mean, every character needs to have a POC friend now. (laughs) And I feel like they could have done that in a way that would have been more organic. Yeah. I think it was weird to me that they were like, okay, when the show starts out, everything will be exactly the same. And then we're going to incorporate these new characters. It's like, no time has passed. COVID exists in this world. Samantha left. I think they could have used that as an opportunity for Miranda to be like a semester or two into grad school. She already has this professor friend that she admires and is maybe, you know, stumbling in certain senses with that friendship. But like with all of them befriending these people, it felt like it was more indicative of conversations behind the scenes. Yeah. It was like, no, like we can't just have a show centered on three white women anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And I wish they would have just, I think it would have been really interesting because there was this question of how are they going to address Samantha, Samantha's absence. Yeah. That was the biggest question going into it. And I really wish that they would have just like path of least resistance and just been like, people grow apart. Friendships 
friendships dwindle and and that just happens as you age and sometimes that you 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 grow apart from friends and i thought that would have been like a way more interesting thing than mm, she got mad and moved to london what like yeah <laughs> so weird well in the the texting it's like that's yeah. the only way that they can really keep her involved with the show yeah but it just looks so petty true it it, yeah. it just like having her send flowers was a very sweet gesture uh, but it also felt like Sarah Jessica Parker is incapable of validating Kim Cattrall's perspective. Yeah. And w- is requesting that that pettiness be incorporated into the show itself. Yeah. And that scene where uh, Miranda is like, I can't do this anymore. I can't be this person. And then Carrie says, I think you should say that. I literally think that's a real conversation that happened when Sarah Jessica Parker reached out to um, Cynthia Nixon about doing the show. And then they're like, oh, let's just incorporate that. As though our characters are saying this. Also, Mama, what a what a journey Cynthia Nixon has been. Oh on. my gosh! Oh my gosh! I feel like it was yesterday that she was almost the governor of. New she York. really was almost the governor, and <laughs> I was like, like, I guess I got to do this reboot. Yeah, I guess I guess I'm back, and you know, good for her for getting her first directing credit. Yeah, that's with true. This. Uh-huh. You know, she's clearly advocating for her career in an interesting way. It's just so fascinating because I feel like she would have been a great governor of New York. And yet like here she is in like a C minus TV show. Truly. Yeah. Yeah. Bless. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I definitely grew up idolizing sex in the city and I think it played a really big role Mm -hmm. in me sort of, uh, creating the narrative around my early dating adventures and yeah. how I talked about them and just how I approached sex in general. And I think that to me is why I'm so disappointed yeah. in a way with how the show has evolved, what it has become today, because I feel like I have surpassed it. Right. And I think that is a weird thing to be so cognizant of. Yeah. It's just, I think it's so fascinating that we are in this culture now of reboots and remakes and like revisiting sequels you know, it's just 30 exhausting. years later and like and the, and that's the thing right like like part of it is like i'm human i respond to nostalgia right and so like i'll watch these things and i think that's the thing right like i've had to create a little bit of like dissonance of like n- nothing none of these is is gonna like live up to the thing right mm-hmm. like that's inherently the problem here so we just have to I just have to accept that like, this is what's happening. We're just going through this culture um, of this stuff uh, and and just trying to be like, I don't know, okay with it. And just like remembering like this doesn't necessarily affect like the past, right? Like this doesn't affect like legacies of shows or anything like that. I'm trying to think of like good examples. I mean, I don't know why this is top of mind. It's the least gay thing I can think of, but that coming to America sequel uh, from last year was, um, you know, pretty mediocre but in the middle of a pandemic in the middle of like us being quarantined at home it was, it was a fine hour and a half i spent on a saturday evening i was like oh, it was kind of fun to go hang out with these characters and i was like no nah, it's right all right I'll, i won't revisit this but that's how i felt about the mortal kombat reboot yeah i love mortal kombat growing up yeah this was like okay what if we did like the marvel version of mortal yeah. kombat but maybe we don't think about it that much. True. And, and maybe we just sort of like film and see what happens. <laughs> that one felt faithful just because it was like, it made just about as much sense as the first one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you're going to hate me for doing this, what? but I think that this conversation that we're having about reboots and continuations, we can make it a little uh, full circle and we can apply that to Austin today. Hey, oh! look at you. Look at you <laughs> connecting dots. But I, I think that is part of the problem. Yeah. Right. It, it's like with these shows uh, that we developed a relationship with so long ago, we have a similar, yeah. um, I don't want to say issue, but experience with Austin yeah. where it's like, how can we advocate and still enjoy the city that, you know, we continue to live in while holding space for what it used to be yeah. and what and who we used to be here. I mean, uh, we're not that old, but we're also not babies anymore. Yeah. 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 It's a good point. It's just like, I'm try- like, I don't know why this came up. I think recently I drove down South Lamar and I hadn't driven down there in a long time and just, uh, 
it's so crazy to me to see like broken spoke like in between these like huge condo buildings yes right? surrounded but it's still there right and it's like oh okay i guess it's it's still the same place not that i frequented it a lot but i was like oh it's it's still there it's just it's just now in this weird context of like they're trying to preserve it but it's like being swallowed by these two buildings um around it yeah uh that um, was very weird to film my little appearance in yeah. Queer Eye at the Broken Spoke. Yeah. Because I hadn't been to the Broken Spoke probably since I was like 21. Yeah. And so to go and record that, my appearance in the episode, which is super brief. Yeah. Uh, it was just funny because we did it on a Tuesday morning and I remember going over there and I couldn't find the Broken Spoke. <laughs> I think we drove past it because it was like, you miss it. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, it, uh, it, it's all of these, you know, nicer apartment buildings that are around it. And, you know, back in the day, it was just sort of this like shitty honky tonk. Yeah. And that was the whole lore. Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen Slacker recently? No, I haven't. Oh yeah. I started watching it at some point in the last couple of months and like, a re I mean, it's crazy because it's not, it doesn't really give me nostalgia, right? Because it's obviously filmed in like 1990, uh, but a lot of it is still recognizable and it's just wild. It's so wild to see just how, how much things have changed. Um, but like such an interesting artifact to have that movie. Um, that's yeah. so central, I think, to like the culture here um, and like the, the legacy, especially of like filmmaking here. Uh, and that it is so much about, it's literally just random snippets of people's lives in Austin. Oh, I'm going to have to revisit that. Yeah. That, that sounds like really, really fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's just different. It's just real, real different around here. I am, uh, haven't, and what's, I, <laughs> it's real different around here, but like, like two gay bars have stood the test of time in this city. And I was like, what do you all have on, on whoever, the owners of this building that you are able to maintain the space? Yeah. You were able to keep the party going. Good. I mean, you know, in many ways it, it always feels like, Oh, like I'm back in oil cans. Not, not much has changed here. Look at that new light fixtures, but that's about it. <laughs> Actually, no, I shouldn't even say that. Cause the last time I went to oil cans, they're, um, uh, they have that like sidebar, uh, when you walk in to the left and in mm -hmm. the last couple of years before the pandemic, they were trying to rebrand that as a sports bar space. Oh, huh. Which was weird. Um, and didn't fit. And now it's like OCH dark and it's like a dark room now. Uh, that sounds a little on, the, on the weekends. Yeah. And there is like, um, What's the name of it? Surratt has like a little store inside of it now. <laughs> so it has changed quite a bit. <laughs> At least that space has. I kind of love that for them. I do too. Listen, if I if it's one o'clock in the morning and I'm pretty drunk, that's probably a good enough time for me to be like, let's go harness shopping. <laughs> <laughs> well, Javi, it is such a thrill to have you back in the Queer Town Clubhouse. And I am so excited to many, many, many more episodes. With yes, you. I'm so, excited for this journey. Cheers to queers and cheers, cheers to you.